You're holding an unpotted twig blight in your hand. Does it clearly have a face, an angry face, one that would like to bite me? <laughs> they don't have faces. <laughs> well, then how do I prove that this is alive? <laughs> That's a great question. Live from the Mundangerous Dressing Room in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Yishin. And welcome to episode 332 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 3, Episode 13. In this episode, we're continuing our playthrough of the 5th edition D&D adventure, The Magister's Masquerade. From the sourcebook Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. Tez Proudgale has found out that the Chosen One's friends are also not who they seem. Uh, but now, I don't know, maybe you're all kind of on the same side? Uh, as long as that side is out for treasure, then you're always on the same side as Tez. Absolutely true. Turns out uh, Rosie Miffenbip is actually a changeling, a member of the Thousand Eyes. And Melothorn is not a Warforged but an Oni and Ogre Mage, a member of the Horned Guard, uh, both uh, in the Raedron military and the Handlers for Grayson Windermere, a Chosen, who is destined to eventually have a quarry spirit uh, stuffed into his body and possess him for the rest of his life. I think, strictly speaking, he's destined to be murdered by a shadow <laughs> in just a couple <laughs> in weeks' just a few time. Weeks. Yep. <laughs> With. Rosie and Melwithorn now purportedly on your side. Uh, they tell you that they will go about locating and investigating Dean Tullis. And they give you no, no more immediate information after that. Uh, instead, you see that they have returned to their normal school activities. Uh, their covers are firmly back in place. Uh, you, however, know that the one piece of information you are missing is what exactly is the nature of this threat? What is going to happen on the night of the ball to Grayson Windermere? And so you do have the opportunity now to investigate possible leads. And also you could do up to three of them. If each of you wants to do a different thing over the next few weeks then we can play it that way. You can team up and investigate a thing, do fewer things with a better chance of, chance of success. Up to you. So I think the most important activity that we could undertake as a group here uh, is definitely um, giving Skelebro plenty of free time to continue developing his first friendship. <laughs> <laughs> you also need to make your... Uh, costumes, you know, that's very important. Maybe maybe dance lessons. You know, I'm going to put all of that responsibility on Aurora <laughs> <laughs> and on uh, and on Skelebro. Like, the, the, the pair of them, <laughs> they can get us ready. We've got other stuff to work on. Wow. Okay. All right. You're, you're just outsourcing it? Oh, yes, obviously. Um, but I feel like Meepo does have an impeccable sense of style. So maybe Meepo wrong. handles costumes. Uh, Aurora and Skelebro can, uh, can, can handle training us on how to dance. And Tez will do something actually useful. Right. Because what is the point of showing up to the ball prepared so that you don't die to the shadow if you die socially? 
you're right, but also that argument is not going to persuade Aurora to help us at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll have, have you filter in. She's too cool. <laughs> she, she can't die at this ball. She's, she's immortally cool. <laughs> all right. So what, what is the useful thing that Tez wants to try to do? Uh, it's rude that you consider those other two activities not useful, but uh, it is researching the shadow. Uh, it's what Tez does best is research. So he is going to uh, kick every rumor, possible lead, every scrap of information, uh, anything that could be um, available to try and figure out exactly what the shadow is. All right. Give me some kind of like angle. Like what? what is uh, the... I, the angle is the is the device that Tullus has found, right? Like that that is clearly the most fell influence that we have anything uh, to go off of. the The backup plan is figuring out any connection to the twig blade that uh, that we spotted in the um, in the dean's wing. Mm-hmm-hmm. Okay. Um, fortunately for you, that sounds like an arcana check to me, <laughs> or history. Either way, could not agree more. <laughs> Um, and this is the type of thing that Eladra would certainly bless. And has certainly blessed. Uh, good opening roll here. 15 plus 4 is 19 plus 7 for... Uh, uh, let's go with Arcana first. So 26. You know that it is an orb that was unearthed in the Badlands. This is sort of the first time that Tez has really sat down and like laid out all of his information to try to connect the dots because there is a twig blight here. Mm -hmm. And as he unfurls a map of Corvair, just to double check that his recollection is, is correct. And it is. The Badlands are exactly where he expected them to be, a few hundred miles to the south. A few hundred miles to the south, east, actually. Not that far from the town of Mistmarsh, which is about half a day's journey from the Sunless Citadel. Hmm. Sorry. Um, this is both Shane and Tez asking this question. Mist Marsh. Which town was that? <laughs> it was the very, very first town. So it was the town, uh, the town near the the citadel, not not where we had the uh, the murder mystery. Exactly. Murder mystery. Murder mystery was in Thrain. Tess has been busy. So yep, you're you not know, wrong. Like I, I can't remember the te the name of every little town and hamlet I've passed through. Okay. I mean, at this point, that was like two months ago. I don't remember like every the, I. Okay, look, I drive from New York City to, like, southern Connecticut on a basically weekly basis, and I can't name all the towns that I pass through just on the highway. How would I possibly remember the name of every town that Tez, like, Tez has to travel even further distances? How could he possibly remember the town? Wait, you, you don't recall every time you pass by Exit 5 on 95 in Connecticut through the town of Mianus? Uh... Well, I didn't know that that was exit five, but I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, every time I right. see the sign, I, I recall the joke. <laughs> it's right next to Port Chester. 
it's for some reason there's always there's always a draft in my anus. Right. I just I don't know. I don't know what it is. People there are lovely though. The Badlands are not far from Mist Marsh. That is one thing that Tez notices right off the bat. It is the first place that he encountered Twig Blights. He does know that the orb, while it was dug up in the Badlands, does not seem to originate specifically in the Badlands. So this is where I think artificer training might uh, might be relevant. Mm-hmm. Because this is... The provenance of this orb uh, is suddenly very important. Um, it's not local, but uh, it's also, you know, it ended up not that far away. That can't be all coincidence. So who created it for what purpose and why did it end up down there? Uh, those are the kinds of questions I'm looking for any clues to. So you are quite sure right off the bat that those are best going to be answered if you can actually get your hands on the orb or get another look at the orb. Now, you have seen it in glimpses because Dean Tellus is never far from it. So you're to what, 22, no, 26. Six. From, from your fleeting glimpses, what you've noticed is it, it's an orb, much like a crystal. It looks like, kind of like a crystal ball, right? Uh, but there's usually a sickly green light emanating from it. And then in within it, you can see like a, a mist, right? A green mist. Uh, that was that has been des- described by several people. If you had to guess, you you haven't seen any color to the orb aside from green. But it's not completely smooth. It is faceted, not not like. It was cut like a gem, right? It's not It's not like a big diamond. Um, but it's not like polished glass. In fact, it could be crystal of some kind. And as an artificer, you of course know. As an Eberronian artificer, you of course know. Crystals can often be used as binding agents. Mm. If something is trying to control the Dean, it would make a lot of sense that there's an actual thing, an entity, inside the orb. Okay. And uh, from the look that I got at it, it wasn't a dragon shard of some sort, right? Like, it was... Like, that's hmm. a pretty distinctive appearance. I, I wouldn't mistake that, would I? It's definitely not an unworked dragon shard. Does that make sense? Could it have been initially at one point and then turned into whatever it is? Sure. You'd have to get a you'd have to get a look at it. Okay. Hmm. Uh, let's see. With a twenty-six, give me tangentially. Um hmm. Give me a history check. Uh Lodra didn't have as much faith uh this time. She wants some results. Yeah. That's, yeah. 2 plus 14 plus 21 is, or sorry, 2 plus 14 plus 7 is uh, 23. 21, 23. Okay, still very good. Um, don't even need you, Aladra. So 
Guentes turns to sort of racking his brain. But given this information, right, you, you don't have a ton of information on the orb unless you could get your hands on it. And we'll see what happens with Rosie and Malathorn in, in terms of tracking down the Dean. Uh, but Guentes turns his attention to his other bit of expertise, history. Thievery? Oh. I mean, it's, a, it, the, it's all the same. Uh, pretty quickly, he's able to identify some, what you might call best practices for fighting shadow creatures that possess you, mm-hmm. for example. Okay. Uh, and two quick things that he thinks of would be, there are very simple ways to prevent possession, at least temporarily. The protection from evil and good spell, for example, first level spell. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the other one is, this is not Tez's first brush with prophecy. Sometimes prophecies are, they, they, sometimes they obfuscate the meaning. Sometimes, though, the meaning is really just sort of obvious and out there. If this is a shadow and the prophecy says that Grace and Windermere must survive the shadow at night, then maybe it would be good to be, to be prepared to fight something at night that is made of shadow. And a good and pretty easy way to do that would be the daylight spell. Oh, okay. As an artificer, Tez knows that, sure, you could buy a scroll, a consumable scroll that lets you cast daylight, and he would need to make a check, or maybe it would actually be Meepo who would have to make a check in order to cast that spell. Or he could just go down to basically any magic store in a large city and buy a drift globe an uncommon magic item that lets you cast the light spell at will or daylight once a day hmm retail price 600 gold pieces a mere 600 gold pieces you say mm-hmm. and if i recall arcanix is not a large city but does have a uh, disproportionate amount of uh <laughs> of of magic available being as it is a uh, rich college town yeah like, this is probably the sort of thing I could just find locally. I wouldn't even really have to go very far. You actually might not be able to find it in Arcanics because all of the magical lore is socked away here. Mm, and okay. it might be hard to find someone to sell this to you. However, Sharn is a city where anything that can be bought can be bought. Mm-hmm. And you have a friend there who can mail you pretty much whatever you want. Uh, I like this approach because... Well, let's just say that running a bar has not left me as cast rich as I had hoped. You took you took half your gold, didn't you? No, you uh, took a. I do. I have about eleven hundred uh, liquid gold pieces, and then various other uh, random bits and bobbles that I could definitely liquidate, uh, including scrolls. And uh, I still have that ceremonial dagger from the dragon priest. You remember oh, that bad yeah. boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, the other, <laughs> but the other half is, uh, in your lockbox, uh, uh, on the third correct. floor of, uh, Lucas's bar. Correct. Um, yeah. So, uh, what is my way of, uh, of reaching Erky? Uh, of Erky Tim, reaching Erky Timbers. Uh, oh, didn't he give me a, uh. 
thought he gave you a thing. He right? gave me a thing, right? He gave it me was, a uh, Neveronian cell phone. Right. Is it a sending stone? I feel like he gave me a sending stone. Yeah, let's look. Oh, let's look it up. Anyway. Yeah, you've got you've got Erky's sending stone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll right. see if I have to edit that to, to, to look it up. Time to call dad and ask for money. <laughs> 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 At least it's not for spring break. <laughs> Uh, incidentally, as I was looking through my character sheet, I was uh, reminded that um, uh, I have a dagger of warning. <laughs> Meepo has a dagger of warning. Well, true, but um, you know the kind of thing that like maybe would have been useful when breaking into a uh, uh, the you know uh, the dean's um, wing. It's true, or it, when when a changeling was going to assassinate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. any any yeah. of those times would a dagger of warning perhaps have been helpful, but uh, uh, neither here nor there. Let's. Of course, uh, you know, like if you ever borrow Meepo's dagger of warning, then he, of course, will be assassinated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. naturally. Yeah. This uh, now that I know, well, uh, so again from her notes, I know that Meepo looks potentially promising mm-hmm. uh, as a vessel. Uh, I am not letting him let go of that dagger of warning, and also. I mean, I understand that you're telling me that I should be equipping Grayson. Um, I'm going to defend Grayson the old-fashioned way. I'm trying to protect Meepo, okay? Because if prophecy (laughs) fails, lots of people are going to have to be focused on fixing the problem. Meepo dies, I'm the only one who notices. So, you know, there's levels to this stuff. Hank had one get-out-of-jail-free card, so... Get out of hell, free card. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes. So let me uh, let me call home and ask for money. And by home, I mean call Erky and ask for money. And by money, I mean magic items. Uh, you tap the sending stone, and not but a minute later, um, it chimes, and you can hear good old Erky Timbers. <laughs> Look at you, off the clock, on vacation, I assume. Mm, nope, back on assignment, Erky. Mm, for whom? Uh, for you. Oh, you're still doing the flame wind thing, huh? Mm-hmm. That's still happening? You've been at it for weeks. Yeah, like a whole semester, dude. Ugh. Ugh. I don't like school the first time. Okay, all right, what's going on? What do you need? I loved school the first time. I hate it this time, but I, uh... I need, I, I've got a shopping list for you, and I need your, uh, your help. Didn't you burn down a bar and steal all the money in town? Uh, that was months ago. You've spent it already. Well, I had to buy, I, I had to buy him a new, a new bar. <laughs> you should burn down my bar. You can't afford me. Uh, look, it, it's not necessarily about not having the money for it. It's about not having the money on hand, nor the time to go get them myself. So I know you're probably in some, uh, you know, swanky tavern uh, right this moment spending, um, you know, the every coin you can get your hands on. So why not spend a few coins, direct them towards some scrolls and a uh, and a drift globe for me. A drift globe, eh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty fancy. Look, I need daylight, and I need reliable daylight. Hmm. Well, you know what? I'm always here to help a friend. You, however, I'd like to hear you beg. <sighs> Erky. 
you sent me out here. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to do any of this. I was perfectly happy to sit in a bar. Oh no, I didn't send you on this one. If you recall, this one is the Sphinx. This is on her. Are you or are you not a middleman? Mm. An interlocutor, if you will. I've been known to get in the middle of things, sure. Uh-huh. Well, now's where your job is middleman. It's your opportunity to shine, bud. You told me you were my handler. I need you to handle this. Proud Gale out. And Tez, like, pauses. Just give it to him. You hear in the background. Hey, 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 wait, wait, hey. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And then Erky pauses for a second and says, I mean, look, you're right. I am in a bar, but not a nice one. I'm in a terrible bar. A dive bar. He's in my bar, isn't he? He's or absolutely in, in your bar. bar. <laughs> and, that was, and so Lucas chimes in and says, He'll send you what you need. Thanks, Lucas. Go ahead and spit in his next ale for me. Thank you. Think I haven't been doing that already? I'm right here. Yeah, and you, you've earned it. <laughs> Three days later, you get a package. <laughs> oh, he sent an express. <laughs> uh, which contains one drift globe, uh, which is a bluish globe made of, you can tell, glass. Uh, about mm, six inches across, weighs about a pound. And as long as you're within 60 feet of it, you speak the command word and it will glow with light or daylight. The daylight effect, however, um, lasts for an hour and then can't be used again uh, until the next day. And if you want, it'll float five feet off the ground and follow you around. Okay, I like it. Um, you had said some scrolls? Yes, uh, protection from good and evil. Great. How many? Well, there's three on my team. Yeah, now, now you're, you're pretty sure you're not going to get these for free. Yeah, I know. Uh, Although you don't know but, if you're going to have to pay in money or some other way. Right. Um, uh, it's a first level spell, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, four. I'm, this is like, this is silly to nickel and dime this. It, the answer is four. Uh, it's three of us and one for Grayson. Uh, Meepo will be able to cast this without making any check. When you run into... Melithorn and Rosie in the halls and ask them for updates they say they've actually had no luck they can't find the Dean um, and you know if you ask around she has, I mean you've seen she hasn't been coming to class right it's been a TA they say they have spotted her a few times but she always gets away from them not she doesn't like see them and run away she just always vanishes so they'll you know she'll turn a corner they'll go after her and then she's gone in a way that shouldn't be normal for a regular human and then roll a d6 for me uh two the third years are still preparing for the masquerade so about two weeks later, about a week before the ball, um, a group of them have been conscripted to set up Kalema Hall, where the masquerade is going to take place. You know, put up the banners, move the tables, etc., etc. And 
two of the automated construct helpers that the school uses pretty much everywhere um, went haywire and tried to attack some students before they were put down by proctors. No one really understands why, what happened. The two constructs were removed for examination. Nothing like that has happened since then. But later that same day, that same group of students uh, experienced something much worse. Several students started to complain of headaches in the same way that students who had been coming down ill have been doing. They were taken to the infirmary. This is, everyone in in school knows about this, right? The word has gotten out. Uh, They were taken to the infirmary on the third floor of Kalama Hall. Uh, And then, shortly after, they became delirious, started hallucinating things like, no, stop and keep away. They started reacting violently to anyone who was near them. And then they got out of the infirmary beds and tried to escape the hall while nurses and fellow students tried to stop them Uh, and it took probably 10 minutes of people trying to constrain them uh, occasionally taking wild swings to the face uh, in order to calm them down while they were yelling things like stay back monster and they're trying to kill me Uh, are they any students of note uh, no one that you are friends with, but they are all third years. And word has it that a lot of them are so shaken by the incident. And they don't really, they don't know what happened, right? They they have come to their senses. They are themselves again. Um, but a lot of them are sort of so freaked out that they're just not interested in going to the masquerade anymore. Uh, are there any rumors floating around about the automatons themselves? Like, what investigation and protections have been taken to ensure that doesn't happen again? So let's bring the three of you back together again. Give me an investigation check to find out more about this incident. Could this be an investigation charisma check? Since we're investigating the rumors rather than uh, the, like the automaton evidence directly yes then Mebo will put out some feelers a good old-fashioned gather info check that's right uh 10 plus 16 charisma is three and then uh three for being trained uh or proficient so 16 all right um from what Meepo hears from ground staff, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with constructs. So whatever was affecting them was temporary and and wore off um, either before or when they were destroyed. So they don't notice anything different. It also means that they're unsure of how to prevent this from happening again. Meepo also does find out that all of the six students recently visited the Bozan Tavern 
they all met together for breakfast the day of the incident. Uh, Meepo, we're going to have to go pay our friend Javanish uh, a non-social visit. All right. You head to the, you head to the tavern? Yeah, clomp on down there. <laughs> Javanish is, of course, there. Um, it is, say, late morning, so it's not too, too busy. Um, and he seems happy to see you. Hey, hey, you said you'd be, uh, you'd be in here more often, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen you. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, uh, it's been an adjustment, Javanish. Apologize. How's the silk ball season going? Oh, you know, we're, we're winning. Well, you know, we're actually, we're losing, but, uh, I get to put people's faces in the mud, so, so we're, I'm winning. That's, uh, that's not nothing. Um, uh, you should, you should come by. Or, are you here for a job? You're here for a job. I can tell. You look like you could use some money. Uh, why does everyone always say that here? Um... You just look hard up. You got that look. I have some questions for you, and they're they're a, a little sensitive. I I don't want you to think I'm like accusing or anything. I'm just trying to follow up. Whoa. Okay. Look, you you heard about the the thing with the you know the kids who got attacked and then fell ill and were hallucinating. You know all all that stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Terrible thing. So. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here, and I've got this loose end I gotta ask you about. The only thing that links those kids together is they all met the morning of the incident and had breakfast here. Did oh. anything happen that day? Like, oh, hey, was hey, it anybody whoa. weird in here? Uh, you know, I'm not accused. I'm not. I, I, obviously, this isn't you, but did anything happen here? that maybe isn't being linked to the incident. You think you think they ate something here? You think they ate something here and got sick? That's why no. they got sick? Hey, hey, no. hey, hey, we, we clean this place very thoroughly. I Look, I would eat here very every high day of the week if I could afford it. Since last year, since the incident last year, okay? So, so everything, everything should be fine. Everything's fine. Uh, sorry? What incident last year? Ah, uh, one case of food, two cases of food poisoning. We, Did any of that food poisoning result in uh, violent hallucinations? No, no, just your regular run-of-the-mill food poisoning. Your regular runs-of-the-mill food poisoning? Hey, hey, it'd be funny if if uh, if it weren't so funny. But uh, look, it, uh, it uh, it's not that. Okay, trust me. It's I know it's not. Uh, it, it's not your your. Uh, cleanliness and and bill of health. Okay, it's Ooh, okay. Okay, I need this job. You know, it has to be something magical or you know something uh, nefarious, right? Like something happened, or one of them did something. They just happened to be here. I think that might have happened here. Did you see anything? Anybody? Like, just you know? All right. So let me think. In the past, there have been pranksters who've tried to slip psychoactive ingredients into the food. Now, since that has happened, we have instituted very strict protocols, so I don't think that happened. 
the the meal that morning was unremarkable, really. Waffles in uh, mushroom syrup. Um, it was mostly just me and Curdy the chef and oh, you know what? Um, Dean Tullis was here. She was uh she's talking with the students and uh, you know well you know what so. I don't know if you know this. She's my student advisor, right? I'm in my fourth year. I'm in lower hold like you. I did not know that. She's uh, she's always been a good sort. This, you know, lately seems a little off. I think stress is getting to her. But she seemed really friendly in a way that, like, she hasn't seemed lately. She's been kind of distant, you know? But she was chatting people up. She was shaking hands, patting people on the back. She was, like, really touchy-feely within in a way that she is not. Hmm. So I guess that's kind of weird. That does sound weird. Have you, um, by chance, uh, talked to Rosie Miffinbip anytime recently? Little Rosie? Yeah. She comes in sometimes, yeah. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, won't stop talking, ever. Always hanging around with that, uh, that newspaper kid. Yeah, I know. The, um, the annoying I don't really like one. that kid. I don't either. Um, hmm. You know, I don't know that you know this, uh, but I have been looking for Dean Tullis for quite literally weeks now, and I have not been able to find her. Really? I've went to her office. She wasn't there. I, you know, I've been to every class. She hasn't shown up. Like, I... And she was just here in your tavern? She was, yeah. Yeah, we said hi. Do you have any idea where she came from or where she went? I mean, she's usually a private sort. She she has quarters in Lorehold. Have you tried her door? I tried her office. Mm, I mean, honestly, she's more likely to be there than, than anywhere else. She works a lot. Yeah. I don't think she's been there recently. Hmm. Hmm. You want me to try to get in touch with her? Uh, tell you what. If you can get some time with Dean Tullis, just, could could you just, you know, like, book an appointment like you normally would and just tell me when and where you're going to meet her? And uh, I'll, I'll, I promise I won't need more than five minutes. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll see what I can do. All right, thanks, Javanish. And uh, I, I promise I won't, you know, tell anybody about the, you know, unfortunate uh, coincidence of, of where they eat breakfast because it, it it wasn't that. That would be great. So I guess Tez has to go break into her apartment now. <laughs> Tez has easy access to Lorhold because he's a student there. And it's the middle of the day, so it's actually quite easy to get to. Just sort of like Grayson's room, right? Like, it's not weird for you to be there. And when you get to her wing, essentially, of the tower that are afforded to professors, I assume you're, like, checking the door. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, It swings open. Like, you barely touch it, and it swings open, and you can see that, like, it wasn't locked at all. (sighs) That's not good. 
Tess is going to knock on other professors' doors. Because presumably there's like multiple faculty who live in this wing, right? So it's probably not only her apartment. There are, right, there are two professors per college who live on campus. Tez will knock on the other professor's door. (laughs) So you head to a separate wing and knock on the door and the plaque says, Loshiel, Lorehold Professor of Chaos. Uh, You know that uh, Dean Tullis is the Lorehold Professor of Order. And after a few moments, the door opens and uh, a half-orc dressed in uh, academic robes answers. Says, oh, why? Hello. Always good to see a student. Uh, do you have an appointment for office hours? I do not. Tez, Tez Proudgill. I don't think we have any classes together. I'm a transfer student. I don't think we've met before, but uh, I'm ah, speaking. Well, yes, I know of you. Hmm. Quickly, because this is a little bit urgent. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Dean Tullis uh, anytime recently. Um, I know I haven't. Uh, I've been looking for her. She hasn't been to her office recently. And then I went to go and knock on her door, inappropriate as that may have been. And before I could even knock, it opened uh, at just the slightest touch. Uh, I am a bit concerned about her safety, sir. And uh, any, uh, I, I, I would appreciate if you could, uh, you know, perhaps uh, check her quarters, uh, make sure nothing is amiss or she isn't hurt or, or something. Oh, hmm. So they'll go over with you and opens the door, goes to turn on uh, the lights, and the place looks abandoned. Like, it's not empty like someone moved out. It's like someone hasn't been here for a month. Yeah, Tess is going to case this place. <laughs> um, Everything looks very normal uh like a college professor's place you know like it's actually like nicely appointed the furniture is nice it's roomy and spacious and the windows are large and have good views um just no one's been here and all the plants are dead because no one's been here are there any twig blades amongst those dead Ah, plants yes but to the untrained eye they just look like dead plants there are some actual dead plants okay <laughs> professor does does anything seem odd to you about this that she seems to have just abandoned the place it's not completely uncharacteristic she has left unexpectedly before to go on digs you know how it is you eat. something interests us and uh and we drop everything. But she just returned from a dig, and she's been very invested in figuring out what that artifact is. It's true. It's true. Um, she has been acting a, a bit strangely. Uh, she's mostly been uh, taking leave. You think there's something suspicious about this? I... <sighs> I do. Uh... For one, her plants are dead. That seems like an odd thing to not have somebody take care of for you. And also, and Tez will uh, whip out his rapier real quickly and prod one of the uh, twig blades. These aren't dead. Are you touching one? 
Uh, I mean, with the with the tip of a rapier, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing happens. Okay, with my hand. Nothing happens. Tez pulls the twigs out of the uh, potted plant or out of the pot. You're holding an unpotted twig blight in your hand. Does it clearly have a face, an angry face, one that would like to bite me? <laughs> they don't have faces. <laughs> well, then how do I prove that this is alive? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Ted starts to set it on fire. But, but my friend, my friend, um, let's let's hold off on the on the fire, and and the dean goes to clap the fire out with their hands. Mm-mm, let's. Let's not start fires here. I think I think we should probably leave the premises together. Let's go. Let's go. You can you can bring that. I, it's it's obviously dead. Tez will take one last very long and scrutinizing look around <laughs> to see if there's anything that he wants to come back for. Uh, stacks of notes, things like that, that might be any type of indicator. Okay, investigation check. I don't think he's gonna find anything. I rolled two. So that's a six. Nothing that you notice offhand. Great. You're you're clutching a a twig blight, though. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Well, I'm walking outside with with this professor and a twig blight, then. So the professor says, "Uh, but I will will take your words under advisement, and, and I will keep a close eye on her. If uh, she needs any assistance, then... We are, of course, here to provide it. Sir, you probably know her better than anybody, given that you're her neighbor. Uh, If she isn't spending time in her office or her apartment, where might she be? Ah, professorial secrets. I will tell you, as I'm sure you've noticed, uh, the towers are rife with folded spaces. Yes. There are many places one might secrete oneself to do research. It's one of the beauties of this position. Where she where she might hide herself away? I, I don't know. Nor would I want to intrude. Wouldn't want anyone trying to find me when I'm simply trying to get some reading done. Professor of Chaos, huh? <laughs> Shouldn't you be putting together an outfit for the mask? Causing chaos. <laughs> Test stomps off. Godspeed. So as the ball approaches, you realize that in order to get inside, where apparently everything is going to go down, you do need costumes. You have two ways to do that. Make costumes or use the mask charms. Although two of them are in Scalabro's stomach currently. I forgot that mass charms were a thing. Um, so I think Tez also forgot that. So uh, as mentioned before, Meepo is up to the task of costume designing for the three of us. He has one requirement. Uh, that is make sure that the glyph, the drift globe is incorporated into our uh, costume. Ooh, all right. So you need three costumes. And this can be different for, for all of you. How would Meepo go about making costumes? Like... Is it actually tactile, like real materials and cloth and sequins, etc.? Or is he designing something to be emulated by the mask charm? I joked about uh, 
Skelebro and Aurora being involved in this, I, I guess a genuine question, is this something that Aurora would enjoy being involved in? Like, if the four, or if, like, Skelebro and Aurora did, like, partner costume, and, like, we all kind of had a, a thing together. Actually, Aurora is one of the, canonically, one of the two students uh, who can absolutely help you in costume design. So so then I think Meepo and Aurora have something like grand planned that is both practical and magical effect. Right? Like uh yeah, thinking like uh like the Hunger Games, right? Like it wasn't just that they had like magical like nonsense and filigree and stuff that like made their costumes come to life. It was also like the genuine stylistic eye of their people. I can't remember what they were. Right? But like if you take a beautiful gown and then make it magically enhanced, it's obviously going to be better than just the, you know, the uh, the special effect. All right. So then let's. Meepo hmm. is not trained for this. He's just a good dresser. I'm sure he'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. Okay. So for. Meepo does no prestidigitation. He's canonically the best candidate for this. There we go. Okay. If Meepo is going to have these made or make them himself, then he'll need to use leather workers' tools or weavers' tools or some sort of artisan's tools in order to create this. Now, with Aurora helping, there will be advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you know, in terms of like sourcing materials and things like that. Um, what kind of check do you want Meepo to make? Tez, of course, <laughs> has proficiency with all types of tools. <laughs> Meepo is a useless, handsome idiot. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Um, nimble hands would be useful here. So this is a dexterity check. Yeah. Uh, so actually, since he has no proficiency in any artisan tools whatsoever, it is actually just going to be. Straight, straight up dex check with advantage yeah uh well i'm wondering since he uh I you, he's trained in arcana but he has the same odds of just doing the decks so it's actually not any better yeah i think that's gonna have to be it um however uh tez has something for this uh tez has um the right tool for the job haha with thieves' tools or artisans' tools in hand, you can magically create one set of artisans' tools in an unoccupied space within five feet of you. This creation an hour of an interrupt rule, blah, 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 blah. Product of magic tools are not magical. They vanish when you use this feature again. Uh, so Tez will create uh, the artisans' tools necessary for Meepo to do this. Uh, so no need to worry about that. Amazing. Not that Meepo knew that he should be worried. Um, but yeah, otherwise I think it's just Meepo and, uh, and Aurora kind of putting their heads together and planning and plotting and drawing and sketching and sewing. Are you okay with Meepo borrowing your all-purpose tool? Yeah, sure. Because that can turn into any artisan's tools and is a plus one. Yeah, that'll work. So I'll give him a plus one and he has advantage. Okay. Let's roll it. Okay. That plus one could be handy. <laughs> I rolled a nine and an eleven, so okay. that's a, 
16 decks, so that's 11 plus 4 with the plus 1 all-purpose tool. That is... 15? 15. Hopefully that hits a threshold. (laughs) A 15 actually has really nice results. Oh, okay. So let's see. Well, thank you for advantage. (laughs) How about this? I... I will tell you what one outfit looks like. Okay. You tell me what another outfit looks like, your choice of who it is, right? So you could tell me what Tez is dressed in, or you could pick the other one. And then I will tell you the third. So if you you don't pick Tez, I am dressing Tez. Meepo and Aurora have put their heads together to try to create outfits that are both, that both look good, which is important to both of them, uh, but that also are not going to hinder you no matter what goes down that night. And also presumably incorporate full armor, as everyone (laughs) prefers. Ah, well, (laughs) interestingly, they have decided that uh, Scalabro's outfit is going to be an homage to a monster of legend, the Lord of Blades. Oh. And so Scalabro is outfitted in... What looks like like cosplay transformer armor, which of course hides his actual armor, no problem. And emanating from his back are six large swords arrayed in a star-like pattern. And of course, five of them are fake and one of them is very real. (laughs) So he looks almost like a steel peacock. Uh, and to, to top it off, um, his uh, mask also has a, a bit of a beak just to like lean into the peacock theme. Uh, what is the second outfit? Is there like a legendary ghost ship, pirate captain, something like that, that, uh, <laughs> that would fit Tez's aesthetic? Uh, Meepo to me seems obviously like one of the dragons, right? Like w- would make a lot of sense for him. Uh, to you know have a costume that kind of dresses up his draconic grandeur and then i'm sure there's something in in carnathy lore that would work for um uh for aurora uh if not i have another idea for something that would be in that pantheon uh for tez which would be rakshasa i kind of love the idea of tez as a rakshasa i swear there's like some legend of like a ghost ship or a ghost captain he, or something he actually just wrote about it and I oh, really? read about it, and I'm just trying to like find it. You do know that the the blood sails are oh yeah, they're basically like notorious raiders and practically mythic, right? Like everyone's afraid of them on the seas, even though they rarely actually do anything. Right, exactly. Uh, that's interesting. However, we have the Lord of Blades, but what if we did a dragon, Quaddle, and Rakshasa costume? That sounds great. I think that's actually maybe a little more like group costume thematic because that's a like that war is like real mythology, right? Like that's known mythology, even if no one knows that it's real. Yeah, it it the lore hold students will get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's like a deep cut of like Greek mythology. Well, it's not even really that deep, but it's probably it's like yeah. Um. Yeah, I dig it. Okay. So, tell me who is wearing what. So Tez has, uh, for lack of a better term, 
power armor to wear right <laughs> because he has Although it it retracts right so it does yeah and i'm I'm sorry i'm just like kind of quickly looking through some of the art uh from like the old uh Eberron campaign setting book and like the the rakshasas do kind of have like i guess it's kind of like medium armor like they're armored like they, they yeah. carry mm-hmm. shields and swords and like they like I, I mean, they have like the kind of like overlapping, uh, almost like scale mail of like uh, like samurai kind of inspired. So, like, I feel like that actually is a pretty good fit for uh, Tez in his artificer armor. So, I do think like, you know, some of the magic will be like enhancing like the sort of tiger features that Tez has, and mm-hmm. I think especially reversing his hands, right? Like, that's the big illusion of his is that he has backwards hands. Uh, is that going to be with the mask charm? I think that's the mask charm. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just like practical costuming and like, practical you effects, know, right. like, um, like, yeah, fa- like, you know, kind of face painting in a, in a tiger pattern and things like that. <laughs> I love the, I love that Tess is wearing like state fair face paint. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He has to wear a mask. Like his, his eyes, okay, okay. Themse- like his, his face itself is like, you know, a mask, but then you have to like fill in the gaps because the mask is, it's not like a, Right, you know, it's, exactly. not like a, it's not a of the party city like plastic Halloween mask he's wearing. Like it's a you know a it's fancy a, like it, like across masquerade yeah. mask. Yeah, yeah so yeah, exactly. Right, but, but then that, like yeah, but the that, rest that of it is the like, rest of his face is like a it's like a radiant tiger sun. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has like you know orange and and black striped body paint and you know right, and then like, like banded mail basically. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. all right, I'm into it uh meepo is a dragon for obvious reasons (laughs) right is he so every time he's used dragon breath thus far it's been cold and we've sort of determined that that's the only dragon's breath weapon that he's seen is calstrix's but is he is he a white dragon or a totally different kind of dragon i think for meepo he would want to be a white dragon right like that's still his touch point uh it's the dragon he knows certainly like, and I don't, th- but I don't think he's like academically curious about dragons, right? He's religiously curious about dragons. So I think, like, to him, white dragons are the true dragon. What other dragon is there for him, right? Like, it's not like he doesn't like go to the library and look up dragons for fun. He's like researching dinosaurs like a child, right? He's like, no, the the dragon is white. <laughs> I I think you're right, and he picked the dumbest and the meanest. <laughs> yeah i know i know i i mean i know Everodian dragons aren't like color-coded the way that like you know forgotten realms dragons are but like we could do a little bit of a silver touch on this white dragon too it's not gonna make a difference <laughs> like, like it's just be a, it's just gonna be a shiny white dragon for me right. <laughs> like pearlescent maybe <laughs> yeah white S- silver they're basically the same color yeah buddy yeah Silver is the white of the metallics. Everyone knows this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that leaves Aurora as the coaddle. Is she down for that? Yeah, yeah, she's into that. I mean, who doesn't want to be, you know, she gets to put on uh, iridescent scales uh, and a bunch of feathers. And feather, yeah, and iridescent mm-hmm. feathers too. That's right, and then rad. glow. Right. And so she's like, she's almost like, uh, like, she and uh and and Scalabro kind of have a cool like dual peacock theme that oh, right? yeah. cuz they're both like very iridescent 
Right. And they lead, lead into the feathers. One thing she does do, you know, you're sort of like trying on these these costumes in your room. And when she puts on the coaddle outfit, she uh, like crouches down and then leaps high into the air uh, and touches the 15 foot ceiling. And when her hands touch, they stick. So she just is hanging from the ceiling by her fingertips. Uh, I'm sorry, then, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it looks very much like the coaddle is flying. Okay, so her, her, yeah, so her wings are like kind of draped from her arms then? Right, and then she drops back down and says, I'm not going to do that in public, but I wanted someone to see the effect. Uh, and it occurs to you that she probably assumes that you and Meepo are aware of her heritage now because walking on ceilings is a thing that people say half vampires can do. Oh, well, I, Shane, learned something. Tez obviously knew that. Obviously. Obviously. Persistent spider climb. (laughs) Which is why he's picking his jaw up off the ground right now (laughs) because he obviously knew that. Uh, all right, you have four great costumes. The one other thing to consider before the ball is dates. Now, this is a far cry from when you first got here and you were worried about actual social standing and who you're going to take on dates. The real question here is, Tez knows that only third years get invitations to the masquerade. So if there's anyone that you want to be there on the night that everything goes down, you need to invite them if they're not a third year. So Aurora will be there. Grayson will be there. Rosie will be there. Melwithorn will be there. Quintilius. Mm. Rampart. Lorene. I think these are all the, the yeah, ones. Yeah, I mean, the only even remotely... Javanish will not be there unless Yeah, he's like he the only invite. remotely friendly person, right? Mina Lee... Will not be there unless she gets uh, an invite. Yeah. Uh, Nora. I think that's basically everyone that you've like gotten to know. But it also does occur to Tez. There's no there's no rule that says they have to be a student. <laughs> so you basically have four <laughs> date slots. And how many days do I have before this? Uh, you've got you've got about a week. Uh, knowing that all these calls are basically three-way dial, he's picking up the sending stone and calling Erky. What do you want? Uh, you, you got it, right? Uh, I, I did, thank you, yeah. Uh, cost a pretty I, penny, I might add. Uh, I I'm sure... I the foil version of the scrolls. Oh, thanks. The, the, the collector's edition, I... Well, anything that's left over, obviously, we'll, uh, we'll save for you to return. Um, however... Uh, one more request of you, and unfortunately it's a bit urgent, and this is awkward for me to say, but I need you to... Look, I think it's going to be really great for us. I would like to cordially and formally invite you uh, to join the Masquerade's Mask uh, as my guest of honor, as my date, Erky, uh, in order to ensure that uh, the night goes smoothly for everybody. Are you... Are you asking me out? Oh, I'm asking you in. You you know I'm your handler, right? 
Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, we got a problem. I need you to handle it. I need you here, buddy. I mean, usually when someone asks me on a date and they ask me to handle things, it's different. I know, I know. You're going to have to get out of my bar and actually uh, do your job. I know, but like, can you risk something going wrong with the prophecy? <sighs> that big tiger lady is really scary. Wouldn't you rather be sure that everything goes smoothly by, you know, keeping a close eye on things? Is there booze? I hope so, but not for us. We're working. I'll bring a flask. Fine. Lucas is giving me, uh, giving me eyes. Uh, I, I put him on the phone, I guess. You, uh... Phone. <laughs> put him on the stone, I guess. You're, you're inviting people to parties? Lucas, I... I, I can uh, cut a mean rug. L- Lucas. Back in my day, I was quite Lucas. a dancer. You can't. You gotta. You gotta keep keep your eye on the bar. Uh, what I'm doing is getting him out of your bar because you know he's not gonna settle his tab. He's kind of fun. I found a. I found a, a goblin who can watch the bar for me. I'm sorry. You found a goblin who can watch the bar for you. Yeah. Seems like a trustworthy type. Do you know that all of my worldly possessions are in your bar? Sure. That's the reason I trusted you, was that you were going to run the bar. You trusted me? Really? That's sweet. Yeah, I did. Look, it's it's not personal. I promise. But we need you to run the bar and keep our stuff, our stuff safe. Okay, alright. It feels personal, though. It's not, I promise, Lucas. You're still, look, we'll throw, we'll throw our own masquerade at your bar when we get back from this. Ooh. Okay, I'm holding you to that. If we get back from this. Well, yeah, don't die, but look, you owe me one. You owed me one before when you burned down my bar, and now you owe me another one. Uh, I cannot. Not a bar, but you owe me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I can't. I don't think I can afford another bar, but I'm, I'll make it up to you. He seems content with that. All right. So you're inviting Erky Timbers. I'm calling in the cavalry. Partially <laughs> because you said I could invite outside people and partially to piss him off. You got three more date slots. Um, well, I think, I mean, I, I think realistically Aurora and, um, and uh, Scalabro would be each other's dates. So I don't think that's a reasonable date slot. It could um, be a kerfuffle if they do not. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I do think it would be good to have Javanish there if we could. Um, so, Meepo invites Javanish. Meepo could invite Javanish, or That'd I mean, adorable. Honestly, like Meepo could invite um, Erky. Like, could take Erky as well, right? But I think I think Meepo knows enough to know that having Javanish there as his date is going to be good for his uh, prospects. Perfect. I think this. Is great. All right, good. I've gotten every friendly person in this entire town (laughs) and one mostly grumpy person from another town to show up. (laughs) All right, which means that all there's left to do is to see what happens on the night of the masquerade. Lemma Hall has been transformed. 
Music, color, and laughter fill the airy space as masked and impeccably dressed students and faculty mingle. Beyond a check-in stand attended by student hosts, tables are arranged with whimsical ice sculptures and ornate refreshments. A band plays energetic music near the demonstration stage, which has been turned into a dance floor. Above it all, banners depicting Arcanic's heroes hang amid drifting lanterns, glowing with soft light. It's crowded. You can see that almost every third year has come, and that means that there's a substantial number of uh, non-third years as well, upper and lower class students. Uh, the music is loud. The It is so crowded that it's all difficult terrain getting anywhere here uh, in the hall. And you can see that everyone begin... Everyone is socializing. Everyone seems to be getting along uh, until the music quiets. And from a second floor balcony emerges Dean Tullis. The first time you've seen her in a month. And she steps out into a spotlight. The music falls silent. Tez uh, elbows Erky incredibly hard in the ribs. <laughs> just like, just let's loose. <laughs> She's unmasked, but her gown looks like it's made of golden scrolls. And you can tell that her voice is magically amplified because it carries throughout the entire hall. Students, faculty, honored guests of Arcanics, welcome to the Magister's Masquerade. I know many of you have been looking forward to this night as much as I have, and I promise it will be a night to remember. Centuries ago, Lore Master Kalema established this masquerade as a tradition to bring students of all our colleges together and to show the potential of this university's mission. Tonight, we are honored once again by Kalema's wisdom and spirit. History lives here at Arcanics, and nothing is ever truly forgotten. And as she finishes and looks out at the crowd beaming, Tez can see intertwined with the golden scrolls that make up her outfit are what look to him like sickly vines twisting in and around the scrolls and in some places it, places it even looks like into her and the only thing that this reminds Tez of is when he was in a very different place. The weather was much warmer, but this same root-like structure was woven inside a Warforged Juggernaut. Mm. And we'll find out what this means next time. Uh, also, uh, you're level to seven. Oh. Hey, we'll take care of that off. Sometimes, you know, you level up through your tailoring skill. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is a very Morrowind action, by the way. Oh, yeah? <laughs> All right. Let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. 
And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing this playthrough of The Magister's Masquerade. Well, that's it for episode 332 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>